0: Welcome to the Transforming Discipleship Podcast brought to you by smallgroups.com. It's a podcast designed for church leaders who desire to make disciples for Jesus Christ in the world. I'm your host, Oliver Hersey, and we're again joined by executive pastor and author Bill Search and the vice president and publisher of Ministry Resources for Christianity Today, Rob Toll. Gentlemen, are you and your families healthy today?
1: So far, so good. Yeah,
2: except they're just... Going crazy inside the house, but yeah. I know. All good. All it's hard to work with our kids' home. Three kids. eight, eleven, thirteen. 8, 11, 13. It's a good time. And the landscaper showed up today. Okay. So it tells you my life, right? Landscaper. Yeah. Oh landscaper. Wow. Yeah, no. In the
0: dead cold of
2: winter? while well, like it's
0: still kind of... They're putting a walkway in. Okay.
2: Because the other one was totally destroyed.
0: Okay. Well, thanks for joining us today, guys. One of the things we want to talk about today, we're dealing with the COVID-19 outbreak. And one of the things that our church right now, my church particularly, we're trying to figure out what does it look like to disciple in spite of the social distancing that's kind of being enforced upon us, yeah. encouraged by all public sectors, and for those of you who are listening to this, maybe don't know what social distancing is, which you probably do because it's been very popular in our vernacular over the past few weeks. It's a phrase that's applied to certain actions that are taken right now by the public health officials to stop or slow down the spreading of this highly contagious disease. And so, in the Chicagoland area where we're at, they've taken extreme measures. And Rob, you know this as you live here in Chicago with me. They've taken extreme extreme measures to prevent the spread of COVID-19 and have recently closed all schools, restaurants, bars. They're encouraging most businesses to work remotely. I think you guys here are working yeah, remotely right now, except we are. except for right now. I'm glad you're here with me. Yeah, no, I'm glad to be here. Appreciate it. And Bill, you're, you're the safest one right now on this podcast. There's a screen between Bill and us, so it's good to see you, Bill.
1: Well, it's good to be with you. And, Do you yes, feel safe? It's, it's certainly a new day. None of us anticipated, right?
0: So, Bill, you've been doing this for so long, discipleship, small groups. I mean, you have been in the thick of it for decades now and been a thought leader in it. And you've probably never seen anything like this in your ministry.
1: Yeah, that's right. It's true. I mean, when you think of small groups or Sunday schools, part of their thing is consistency and consistency of meeting. Part of the celebration of the thing is, hey, you're in a tighter physical space with one another. And so that makes it all the more special. You get to act like a family, oftentimes in a home or some other very comfortable environment. And then now to be in a situation where it's ill-advised to get together, particularly in a small space, when the recommendation is that there's six feet between you and the the, the guest in your house, yeah. if you have a guest in your house, it's a yeah. brand new day, indeed.
0: I want both of you guys to talk with me a little bit about this. Like in light of the reality that most churches in Chicago closed, that mid-sized churches, we closed our doors and we had corporate worship suspended and we did a live stream of our services. And right now we're trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to do right now with what you just said, Bill, these small groups that, that meet typically throughout the week, Bible studies that are going on, how in light of all of these realities, guys, I'm curious to know how... How do you see right now the social distancing impacting discipleship in the days and the weeks ahead? Like in your own ministries, your own experiences and and, and reflections on this, how is this social distancing component going to drastically impact and shift the way we do discipleship?
2: I was thinking about it yesterday. So our church canceled, but they did a YouTube video that we could all uh, download and or stream on Sunday. They included some worship videos as well. And actually four families, including ours, got together in a house to watch it, which didn't follow the protocol. So we're figuring it out as we go, right? And it was really sweet. It was actually really sweet. It was a 20-minute message. It was really cool. In the middle of the message, a sign came up and it said, intermission, go refill your coffee, take a bathroom break, and come back right? And everybody <laughs> laughed and we did. And then we came back, sat down and watched the end of the message. And then we had a great dialogue about it, about the implications for our lives. So it felt like we were doing some things right, but I, I get the feeling that they're still trying to figure this out. I did just get an email before we started this podcast and we're not live, no live services for sure until at least April four. right? So they've already decided the next few weeks, we're just not gathering, right? And the church is not open. uh, There are no meetings. And they actually encourage
0: people to use Zoom, right, to to meet. Bill, you're an executive pastor down in Oklahoma. Is that what your reality looks like as well? I mean, have you guys suspended corporate public worship right now through the rest of this month, March and into April? Where are you guys at?
1: We are following along very closely with this developing situation. And so we're sort of on a day-to-day or week-to-week making those decisions. But this past weekend, we streamed our services. We had a a record attendance. Normally, we have somewhere in the neighborhood of 2,000 people join us online because we did not meet corporately. We had, the preliminary numbers came in and we had over 17,000 people stream our services, join the church this weekend. Now that represents, to, to my understanding, I want to represent this well. That's the number of computer screens. So you could have a family watching. So uh, I'm assuming that that's a larger number. But again, I want to represent that well and fairly. I don't share that number to brag. It's much more the, thank God, the technology is out there that in this pandemic, we're able to still have our church services. We have, at this point, postponed or canceled all of our other corporate gathering events throughout the week. And we're trying to figure out how to stream those as well and develop the necessary resources. There's a lot of neat resources that are out there, but yeah, we're all in new territory. So it's, a, it's kind of exciting in a sense that there's an opportunity to see God's work continue on even though we have a challenge sitting right in front of us.
0: Yeah, Yeah. to hear you say what you just said about there were more people tuned into your live stream than what would probably tune in on a regular Sunday, both live and online. That's really interesting because we had the same experience at our mid-sized church here in Chicago, nowhere near the same numbers as yours, but very similar in terms of a large inflation of people seem to connect to our service that wouldn't naturally connect live or online combined. So, it's almost like the social distancing has, has in a way, pushed a lot of people to some of our services.
1: Interestingly enough, I had a pastor friend point out something rather obvious. He said, it's very possible that more people participated in church this weekend than at any other time of the year, including Christmas or Easter. If you think about, yeah. a part of it is, I think people are a little more tuned in, like, oh, this is life and death stuff. So that always has a sobering effect. But then also, there's a mixture of the convenience the factor, convenience. the novelty factor. I mean, yeah. it might actually, we might actually see church involvement and engagement yeah. uh, grow as a result of this. At least I hope so. Yeah, I've been wondering that, too, as we
2: were gathered around the video screen yesterday. And it's ironic because our church, it was actually the opposite of both of you. We usually get about 900 people on a Sunday, and they figured out about 500 streams. But I wonder, our church, a lot of couples, a lot of families, maybe people gathered around one screen. And actually, that was some of the instruction, right, that we got from our church. So maybe that's it. I'm not trying to justify it. In any case, <laughs> I was thinking while we were doing that, this may change church going forward. Like, I've always been a house churchy kind of guy, you know, I've been inspired by the missional movement. And as we were gathered yesterday around a video screen, I thought, you know, we could do this more often. And my wife even turned to me and said, yeah, you know, this this works just fine. And actually what it allowed us to do was to get the kids involved And they actually listened to the message, they participated, one read scripture, another one read the communion scripture for us, one prayed, and you know, I'm talking kids, you know, anywhere between like six and 13. And then the kids went down and they actually had a discussion about the content of the message, and then the adults did. So what I love to see is people adapting right? And that's the thing about human beings, I think, right? In made in the image of God, we long for connection. So, you know, at its worst, you know, you saw that in Wheaton on Saturday night, and I'm guilty as anyone, like everybody was out to dinner. No one was social distancing. (laughs) And it was like, wow, we're not taking this seriously. And of course, the governor stepped in yesterday and said, okay, if you can't, I will. That's it. So restaurants and bars closed. But What I do like is that people are trying to figure out how do we connect? And we're actually working on that here at CT. We met as an executive team this morning via Zoom, and we talked about, hey, we're going to start this uh, daily prayer time over Zoom right? Let's just use that as an opportunity. And I reached out to my team of about 15 people and I said, like, I'm concerned. I like working from home once in a while, but now that I'm supposed to do it every day for a while, I'm feeling the disconnect already from my, my staff. So how can we foster interaction on a regular basis while we don't have the ability to actually see each other face to face.
0: So this gets after kind of what I really want to focus on here for the yeah. for the time remaining. I think we want to see discipleship continue to happen. We want to see people continue to have opportunity and space to grow and to uh, to journey closer to Jesus in spite of the social distancing that we're being encouraged to have. And so, uh, Rob, you shared some really insightful things there with the Zoom meeting and the technology we have at our fingertips. I love that your staff and, and, and your executive team is able to pray over Zoom. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Zoom technology, it's a brilliant, easy website to go visit. And, and I've used it before to have meetings with people as well. It's very very easy to set up an account. You can have accounts for free, or you can pay a a small fee for a subscription, which I'd highly encourage you to consider doing in this season. But Bill, you have recently written an article that's offered some great insight on this, um, which is now available on smallgroups.com for those of you listening that would like to access that. Bill, I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind just sharing a few things. You had some great insights about how can we keep discipleship happening in spite of this social distancing. Would you mind sharing some of those?
1: Well, you think about small groups, the power is is when we're gathered together. I mean, personal devotions is personal devotions, but the power of the community studying God's word together is we draw out things from one another. You just mentioned one aspect of it is use some sort of video conferencing service, Zoom, Google Hangout. There's a variety of resources that are out there. Some are free, some you have to pay for, but actually the benefit of that is, is if you're more high tech, you can look at each other in the eyes. And that's actually a really good part of it, that the video conference gives you a chance to see physical expressions. You can communicate with one another via a group text. And I recommend you loop your small group into a group text right now if you haven't done that already and use that as a place to share challenges, growth opportunities, just stay connected needs, prayer requests, that sort of thing. I use GroupMe with my small group. I sent out a message to my group last night and just said, how's everybody doing? Does anybody need anything? And people just sort of piped in and people are hanging tight so far. Uh, the other is uh, use of social media. Create, for instance, like a closed Facebook group. A lot of people live oh, on sure, Facebook, yeah. probably too often. <laughs> <we're> on Facebook. <laughs> I'm actually not, now, I've never heard again. of it.
0: Yeah. Can, can you tell me what Facebook is, Bill?
1: Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so if you're a Xer or older, you probably have a Facebook account and you spend too much time there. If you're a millennial, probably you have an Instagram account uh, yeah. or something like that. But either way, use social media to communicate. I like the Facebook closed group idea because then you can post meaningful things, videos, and that sort of stuff. Uh, share uh, messages and worship uh, video clips from places like YouTube, again, text that out or email that out to one another.
0: You know, Bill, Bill, you know, you were just sharing earlier about your own church and how you guys live streamed your service. We're not together, right? We're, we're tuning in. There's, I think you said 17,000 people tuning in. We're not necessarily in the same room, but there's this artificial sense of togetherness despite the physical distancing.
1: And again, you can create watch parties like on social media. So I heard from a couple of different leaders that set that up and then they invited friends, some friends who normally didn't go to church and they actually had them attend their watch party of their church service. If your church is on social media, you can, you can create a a watch party. This is just a great piece of technology that's just sitting there in this current situation reminds us it's there and available for edification.
0: Absolutely. So the Zoom the Zoom technology that both you and Rob have mentioned, I, I walked over the weekend, we have a woman who's probably, she's retired. I mean, she's in her late 60s. She's a Bible study teacher. She has about 30, 35 people in her classroom. They're diverse demographically, racially. It's a wonderful group of people. And she teaches it on Monday mornings live at our church. And I, I said, hey, yeah, I said, hey, Carol, would you be game for learning how to use Zoom? So on Saturday, I spent an hour with her. That's it. Helping her set up an account. She taught her Bible study this morning via Zoom for the first time ever. You know, a dozen or so of her people tune in. She could see all of their faces. She just sent me a text a few minutes ago, and I can't wait to hear how it went. But we can find ways around it to keep the discipleship going in spite of the fact that we are being asked to have social distance.
2: Yeah. Well, and I go back to the fact that as humans, we're adaptable creatures,
0: Yeah.
2: right? I mean, that's the thing about the human spirit. I remember, I mean, we were talking about how people turned out in droves for church this week, and it struck me, literally my second day in paid ministry on staff at a church, 9-11 happened, and suddenly people started streaming into our offices, and that was a great opportunity, but what we saw even in that time was that people were very adaptable, And you see that whenever we have tragedy is, sure, you see the people stocking up and, you know, there's something in us, I think, that strikes us as that's not how we behave together, (laughs) right? Is you get a whole ton and I've got nothing, okay? So you see some of the worst of humanity, but I think we also see the best of it and, One of the ways I'm looking forward to seeing is just how people adapt, right? They take ideas like Bill just shared or, you know, that article, Bill, that you submitted to us yesterday and I guess is actually live right now. Yeah,
0: the title. We just got the title, Rob. It's right here. It's Discipling When Your Group Can't Meet Due to COVID-19. So find that on smallgroups.com. My friends, you will definitely be blessed by Bill's work on that and his thoughts on how we can move forward in discipling uh, during this difficult season. Yeah, Bill, I don't know if you wanted to share in that article, maybe tease us a little bit with some of the things we can do as individuals in this process. I mean, if we go into a quarantine or we're by, you know, we're in some solitude, that's not necessarily a bad thing.
1: So, you know, most of us are crying for more time so we can prepare for the future, develop as leaders, but we're so busy in the doing, we don't have time to actually do the prepared work or the deepening work. And now we've sort of been given this strange gift of time. And so rather than fill it up, binge watching one more silly show on uh, your streaming TV service, instead... Use this as a time to grow deeper in the Lord. You're going to have some forced solitude. Now, maybe you're trapped home with a lot of your family, so solitude might be going for a walk. I listen to a lot of books on Audible or Christian audio. Both of those services have great resources. And that's my solitude time, out exercising, listening to a great Christian book. This is a great time to start or restart that spiritual discipline that you said you were going to do on New New Year's Day. (laughs) Yeah, and then about January 5th, you ran out of time. Guess what? You just got time. So restart the Bible reading plan. I grew up Baptist and Lutheran, and I dug out from my book archives, my old catechism from my Lutheran school, and was just rereading some of that, which For some listening would think, oh, that's weird. It isn't. There's something comforting about the historic aspects of the faith that have been very sturdy through all the ups and downs and pandemics and wars. The faith has given people a sturdiness that we need. I've enjoyed sort of reconnecting with some of the historic side of the Christian faith and all of this. Just as a great reminder, the church has been here before and she has persevered and people have grown deep but I use this time just you know there's a whole bunch of stuff in the article I draw more things that you can do but you can sharpen up as a leader during this time
0: we need to let that be the final word bill that is a great thing for us to think about let this time be a space for us to sharpen ourselves as leaders as well as possibly grow our ministry as Rob suggests that this might be a prime time for us to be creative and grow and see God actually growing our ministries in spite of all of the restrictions, the fears and the anxieties. So take hope in that, um, that in spite of COVID-19, we can still see discipleship thrive. And if you haven't already downloaded the article, you need to go to smallgroups.com and check it out. Discipling When Your Group Can't Meet Due to COVID-19 by Bill Search. Tune into that. That'll give you some great ideas to think about. Thanks, gentlemen. Thanks to all of you who've tuned into the Transforming Discipleship Podcast. Until next time, my friends, grace and peace to you.